0: Welcome to The Business of Learning, the learning leader's podcast from Training Industry. Hi, and welcome to The Business of Learning. I'm Taryn H, Managing Editor of Digital Content here at Training Industry.
1: And I'm Sarah Gallo, an Associate Editor at Training Industry. This episode of The Business of Learning is sponsored by the Certified Professional in Training Management Program. The Certified Professional in Training Management Credential, or CPTM, was designed to convey the essential competencies you need to manage a training organization. When you become a CPTM, you gain access to alumni resources like monthly peer roundtables and a full registration to the Training Industry Conference and Expo. If you start today, you can earn the CPTM credential in as little as two months. To learn more,
0: visit cptm.trainingindustry.com. On-the-job coaching has become a popular topic across the learning and development field and business at large, but what does effective on-the-job coaching look like, and what does training have to do with it? To find out, we're speaking with Rhonda Bowman, Global Learning and Development Leader with HPE Financial Services, and Carolyn Donnelly, an Executive Coach with the Internal Revenue Service. Carolyn, Rhonda, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Nice to be here.
3: Thanks for having us
2: get started,
1: why don't you both explain what we mean when we say on-the-job coaching? Um, Carolyn, why don't you start us off?
3: So for us, on-the-job coaching is really an opportunity for uh, both leaders and employees, actually, to be able to engage in coaching for leaders. you know, It looks like leaders receiving coaching from professional coaches, but also being able to be trained to utilize coaching skills with their employees. For the employees, it also looks like them being able to have the opportunity to also uh, get coaching skills and to be able to use that as a peer-to-peer thing. So it's really, for me, uh, when coaching is kind of happening as as kind of the way of being in the organization, and it's kind of happening up, down, sideways uh, in the organization, those skills are really demonstrated in in different places in the organization. Definitely. Definitely. And
2: Carolyn, we're similar in some ways. For us, it is leaders and managers being able to coach on the job, whether it's coaching salespeople on real deals or working through transactions with our customer delivery teams. It's that kind of coaching that doesn't, obviously doesn't happen in front of the customer, but it's being able to take someone aside or during team meetings to be able to be asking the right questions that, that are really probing our employees to bring out the best in them and to bring out the the knowledge that they have within them.
0: Great. So uh, now that we've defined what on-the-job coaching is, what does an effective on-the-job coaching look like in today's business environment? Rhonda, do you
2: want to start with this one? Yeah. So so for us, an effective coaching relationship in, in our business environment today is one that really embodies trust. It's that relationship where there's psychological safety. As a coach or as a manager, you don't want to be judgmental. And if you're coaching someone, you don't want them to be afraid to tell you what they think. To We don't want them to be afraid to fail. We want them to really value the managers and the managers to value the employees. So. In today's business environments, we're being asked more and more to be innovative. We're being asked to stretch beyond the boundaries, the boxes that we placed ourselves into sometimes. And quite often, we need to really be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So that effective coaching relationship really needs to build that trust to give the employees the space so that they can express themselves with their managers.
3: Thank you, and Carolyn, anything to add to that? Yeah, I really love the the fact that uh, Rhonda kind of had that foundation of the trust and the psychological safety, and then really being able to build on the skills of that inquiry, you know, base mindset. Really thinking about how is it that they're having those conversations? How are you using more open ended questions in order to be able to really tap into those individuals, like their experiences and all the things that they bring to the table. I really feel like that's when you know that coaching is really effective is the fact that um, people both feel comfortable to have those conversations and they feel comfortable to even be able to challenge things. I think there was an example that came up today where one of the executives was in a meeting with someone who has received some coaching training, uh, one of their leaders that had received some coaching training. And they actually said to the executive, I think that we need to be asking different questions. We need to dig down into what the real issue is. So we need to be able to ask more questions in order for us to be able to do that. And so I think then it kind of morphs into the ability to have those types of challenging conversations that get at the heart of what the issues are. Definitely.
1: And going off of that how would you say that L&D can support on-the-job coaching in the workplace? Carolyn, do you want to start us off?
3: Yeah, I think that it's kind of multifold. And what I've seen be really effective is being able to not have coaching skills training be a one-off kind of thing, where it is something that is seen as a part of the very fabric of the organization. So... It's not relegated to a one and done kind of thing, but instead it is something that kind of happens as a continual learning journey for both leaders and also employees at different stages. And so it looks like a, a leader actually getting the opportunity to both experience coaching through professional coach, but also being able to Be taught some of the coaching skills so then they can effectively have those uh, kinds of conversations with their employees not just as a performance conversation once a year but really in those month-to-month day-to-day conversations be able to utilize those skills in order to do that. So I think it's L&D being able to create training opportunities that happen multiple times, and then for them to be able to have surveys that understanding, okay, so as, what is, was it effective? What else is needed? And then being able to base the continuous learning off of the feedback that's being gotten through those survey instruments. And then the last element is being able to provide communications or follow up things that would reinforce some of the things that are showing up as opportunities that come from level three and four surveys. It would be things that supplement people's learnings, kind of the in-between times uh, when there's training and when people are really just on the job doing it.
2: Carolyn, you know, I, I agree with you that coaching skills really do need to be a part of the fabric of the business. I think for myself, for my team, from the L&D perspective, we are the L&D team and we have to demonstrate coaching on the job ourselves. You know, I think about how we are able to help role model what coaching looks like. I I think a bit about doing a needs analysis. You know, if, if I were to sit down and do a needs analysis, I begin asking questions. And very often, it's like a coaching conversation because the leader or the internal client may have thought they needed something at the beginning, but by the time we get to the end of it, it's really something very different. We're in a different direction and it has opened up other ideas. So it being able to role model that within our roles is really important. And, and like you mentioned, to have it built in. So if there's any, any big programs that you're working on, if there's skills as part of that training program, then you do want to build in coaching into that training program for the managers and the leaders as well. So they know how to coach that skill building once they leave that training room or once once they're done with that e-learning, that there is that continual conversation, that coaching conversation that happens every day to help reinforce and to bring those skills out and those, in those employees. And the last thing that I'll mention is we, you know, we're in really interesting times right now that there's also technology that provides coaching too on the job. So there's always new things and new ways to integrate the coaching into the fabric of the business.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point, Rhonda, about, you know, the times we're in as we record this, we are still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Many people are still working from home. So how are you seeing organizations use technology to bridge that distance between managers and employees and and still enable coaching?
2: Well, for us, we we use Zoom. We've been using it a lot. We've always had some type of video conference, but no one would ever go on video. So so it's a bit of a new phenomenon now that they're not seeing everyone in the office, that we do want to see each other. So people are not afraid to get onto Zoom. But even for our one-on-ones, We've been using Zoom, you could see each other, you can read each other. You you could see the facial expressions and one of the things that I think this whole situation has really brought about is we do not have the fear that I often see in business when we're coaching to ask someone how they feel and this is something that I've brought into coaching conversations and coaching training a lot is we're afraid to ask well how does it feel to do this or how did it feel when you did that but now that we're looking at each other and we're in a time where everyone really truly cares about how we feel because there's so much going on around us it feels like the barriers for asking those kinds of coaching questions are disappearing
3: i would agree we actually are not using zoom or any (laughs) any uh platform where we can actually see each other but i think that the, like Rhonda mentioned, that building the foundational trust through asking questions like those feeling questions, how are you doing kind of questions and opening conversations up in that way. I think that that's one of the benefits in a way that has come out of this is I think that the building foundation of trust happens with those kinds of questions. And I see, I, I'm seeing more of. The one-on-one conversations happening or starting that way and also more of the team conversations starting that way. And I think that it allows people to be more open and it allows people to also, I think, know, um, know that people care and also perhaps be more brave in asking questions and giving their opinions because they know that someone cares about them.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Do you have any tips for actually creating that climate where there is trust and psychological safety and maybe for teams that don't already have that?
3: I would say it's kind of, it points back to some of the things that Rhonda, you know, really may, mentioned was, is the environment safe for people to make mistakes? What happens when an error is made or a mistake is kind of caught? And I think that that is perhaps one of the telltale signs of whether or not there is trust and psychological safety in the environment. If a organization deals with mistakes or errors or as learning opportunities and really kind of rallies around people to say, okay, so, you know, this happened. So what did we learn? What are some things that we're going to do differently next time? Using those open-ended coaching questions to be able to unpack the situation I think is really, really important. And being able to help people to know that we're all kind of in this together and we are going to figure this out. It's all in the languaging also, you know, although uh, coaching uses the open-ended questions, I think leaders need to be mindful of the language that they're using in order for them to really be demonstrating a trustworthy language if a leader is saying to a, a person, well, you know, you, you, you did this, as opposed to, you know, what could we do in order for this to be different? What, what would you need from me? Those kinds of things, I think, are things that allow trust to be more present in organizations.
2: You know, I I, I agree with that. One of the things that's, that has happened to over the last few months is that everything's become a little more casual Mm -hmm. using zoom we're seeing people's (laughs) we're seeing people's homes we're seeing people's children we're seeing that everyone is a real person including our leaders and we coincidentally this was not planned we had a program that rolled out about the same time that COVID started and and so many changes going on and we asked the leaders to do some videos to help kick off each week for this program and so now we're seeing the leaders at home in their sweatshirt right or baseball cap or they need a haircut or we're seeing the real person and the real person is introducing the learning for the week so maybe the learning is about having a growth mindset and the leader is looking very casual in the way that we haven't seen that leader before saying I've had to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable And there's this transparency that we haven't seen in the past that is allowing everyone to get more comfortable with it now and to open up that trust in that space.
3: And I want to add something in addition. One of the things that's also happened in in our organization is leaders at the highest levels are having uh, monthly conversations uh, where they're opening up the floor to employees and saying we really want to hear what it is that you have to say and inside those conversations people are being really vulnerable about what's happening with them family members dying all kinds of really interesting real life things are really presenting themselves and i think that the vulnerability of the leader to be able to not only just ask how are you doing but also to provide resources for people and make people feel that it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling, but also it's okay to take advantage of these resources if you need some additional assistance, because this is really difficult and hard for all of us. I think that that's really an important thing. And even outside of COVID, the, the race conversations that have been happening and leaders willingness to be vulnerable and bring those things into the space, I think that all of that really begins to open up things for trust to be built in this environment that we're in. Mm, I agree.
0: So uh, like any other skill, as we've talked about a little bit earlier, coaching can be learned and refined through practice. So with that in mind, how can learning and development incorporate that skill into its
2: manager training programs? What have your organizations done? So for us, we began running training programs for our managers back, oh, I'm going to say in 2012. So we've been doing it for about eight years now. We, you know, aside from myself, there are some coaches and certified accredited coaches within the business, but we're really trying to get the managers up to speed so that they can be coaching real time on the job. And we made a very conscious decision to do this when we were rolling out a highly visible selling skills course. And I think we all know you roll out training and some of the things stick, some of the things don't stick, some things stick for just a short period of time and then it's easier to do it the old way. And so we, we really felt like for the investment, for the need that we had, we really did need the managers to be on board and be able to coach both the development of the salespeople and, and, and be able to coach the new process, the new way of what we were going to do. So that taught us a big lesson that as we roll out a skills-based course, we definitely are building in a coaching module for the managers as well, how to coach this so that they know how to do it. And then we took it even a step further. We said, okay, so... We can build it into that training, but let's also provide the managers a coaching framework so they can not just be coaching on these training programs, but they can also be coaching development of their employees. And it can help them with their one-on-ones, their coaching conversations with their team members. So we went through a process of putting together a framework on the what of coaching. So having them think through, what can we really coach? We know that our business results are given to us. We set our goals. So what we can really coach is the actions that are going to get us to those goals so that we can meet the business results that we're being asked to meet. So the framework that we put together, we train the managers on to help them understand how they can work with their team members to get to the actions that they can start out with that need to be coached. And then they came back to us and they said, this is great. We have these actions. What do we do? I don't know how to have my next conversation. But how do I actually coach them on that action? So that drove us to the next, it naturally drove us into the next action that we had from L&D, which was building a how of coaching program that then started to take some of those actions that they needed to coach, marry it up with a coaching technique and be able to teach them together and give them some real virtual face-to-face workshop time on practicing how to coach topics and techniques together. I think that 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 just drove us miles in our journey in becoming better coaches throughout, you know, I'm going to say it is a process. We're eight years into it, but our coaches have really begun to incorporate it into their daily conversations and not just when they're having a one-on-one.
3: That's wonderful, and I think that for us, it's been a different kind of journey—still a learning journey. Kind of the same, same kind of thing that you're you're talking about. How we've learned and tweaked and and innovated in different different ways. And I think that it it kind of started with us being able to have an internal coach training program and kind of starting there. Really wanting to help individual leaders to be able to kind of have those those ICF core competency-based training, but then it kind of shifted to us really looking at the leaders at the various levels and being able to say, how could we provide them with a framework for coaching so that then they would be able to have the coaching conversations? And part of my journey was that I was in L&D and have since and actually helped to create and embed those uh, coaching skills trainings into the leadership development programs, but then actually made a shift for myself into one of our business units in order for us to be able to make coaching real in the business unit so that then it wasn't L&D telling us, yeah, yeah, this stuff works, you should do it. Instead, it's in the business unit, and we're using coaching with technical kinds of conversations. We're really trying to help incorporate it, yes, in the performance kind of conversations that people are having, those development conversations that leaders are having. But we're also moving towards, okay, so can coaching be also used in a technical conversation where an employee needs to unpack directions of where the, what they want to do or where they want to go with certain things and we're finding that that's really effective because it's empowering the employee for that manager to really be saying, you know, you're the one that's looking at this thing on a day-to-day basis. And so what are your thoughts as to how it is that you want to move forward with this? Like, what would you, what's getting in the way of you taking that action, like asking those kinds of questions for a technical thing. And I feel like that move from it being a l and function kind of into the business unit has really been effective. And we look forward to kind of seeing how this continues to evolve.
2: I love that. I absolutely love that. One of the things that I see too is, you know, you talked about it in the technical realm and we do a lot of work with our sales reps in how you can ask questions to your customers, Mm -hmm. right? So what I really find is the more that we can model coaching with them, the better coaching that the sales reps get the better questions they're asking their customers. And their conversations with their customers become less of the, the hard sale and more of the coaching the customers through their process as well. So I, I do think that it works a lot of different ways. Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
1: and, and piggybacking on that, what advice do you have for managers who are looking to integrate coaching into their daily routines?
3: I would say really baby steps because I think that what we've seen that works well is first the acknowledgement of the fact that you know everybody has their advice monster and they really 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 want to just simply tell people what to do you know (laughs) Um, and and being able to you know not beat yourself up about that but being able to say okay I'm going to just do one thing I'm going to take one piece of this and begin really working on that and we actually had um, an interesting peer-to-peer training that we implemented and we did where we actually had managers do a a peer-to-peer coaching model where the only thing that they could do is explain the challenge that they were having and then they were simply asked questions and they couldn't respond. And (laughs) we, we wondered whether or not this was going to work and and whatnot we saw data that said that it, it would and the result of that was that they actually went back and utilized the skill of listening with their employees because of what they experienced they realized the power of being able to marinate on a question and and know that you know something brilliant is going to come up for you if you just simply give people the opportunity to think and you you simply step back and listen and so being able to take just that one skill of okay so I'm going to be really strategic about just listening to my employees and then from there you know the next thing that I'm going to do is not go with the advice monster, but just try to incorporate just a couple more open-ended questions you know doing it in chunks like that you know or I'm going to ask people more of the question of how are you doing how are things just to begin to build that trust? So I say, take it in pieces and just work on one thing at a time as opposed to trying to grab everything and do everything. I think that's harder to do when you're trying to work on coaching. Yeah, and I think
2: if I was to be asked a question by a leader of, do I have any advice for them or should they integrate coaching into their daily routines? You know, I might, I might ask them a coaching question too, you know, something like, if you were to integrate coaching into your daily routine, what would be the most amazing or the most successful thing that you can imagine could be accomplished by doing that and And as you said, let them marinate in that for a minute, come up with that picture, and then let's begin the conversation
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. and going off of that, what would you say is the actual return on investment of on the job coaching I mean, in other words. In addition to helping leaders learn how to integrate coaching into their daily routines, why should they do that?
2: Mm. Well, it, it can really be substantial in some of our programs. Once you factor it out, it can be sales won. We've seen sales that, that wouldn't have been won unless there was coaching done Maybe we did some team coaching around opportunities that ultimately led to the winning of very big deals. It could be increases in customer satisfaction, increases in productivity that are due to more effective business decisions or greater innovation. I think going back to the technical side and what kind of windows that opens up for the business. I think that it can just be it can be huge. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would put a percentage on it, but we've seen some big return on investment from it.
3: Yeah, I, I would say those things are definitely impacts of coaching. And I, and I would say some additional things are unintended things like the ability of a manager or a leader to be able to have effective change conversations with employees. Um, because of the fact that again it allows for a different kind of conversation where instead of an individual kind of saying this is the change and so therefore you will do it, um, <laughs> being able to have a more open conversation around how could we make this work what what things would you need in order for this to to be better that innovation piece is really key. I think the other thing that I, that i I see is empowerment begins to happen. The the manager is spending perhaps a lot of time upfront to be having some of these coaching conversations, but in the longer term, being able to give the person the, the ability to think critically about things for themselves becomes evident because you're asking them those questions that help them to unpack it for themselves. After a while, they begin to do that before coming to the leader. So I think that it ha- allows people to have better solutions because more critical thinking is kind of engaged in the thinking of the individuals on both ends, both the leaders and also the employees. So I think that that's a win-win. I think to add
2: to that too, employee satisfaction. I mean, yes. everything that, that, that you just mentioned leads to employee satisfaction.
3: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
2: Absolutely.
0: So the 70 2010 model, it tells us that 20% of learning happens in social interactions typically, and training industry research has found that even as much as 25% of learning comes from those social sources. So I'm wondering if you can comment on what role coaching might play in that 20-25% to 25% of learning that does come from interactions with others.
2: I would say um, that personally, I learned so much from others. And I think that there is that huge opportunity to learn from others. We're even trying to shift our 70-20-10. So we are looking at more of the experiences, more of the relationships, trying to give our colleagues those opportunities where they can be sharing more and learning more from each other and coaching each other more. I think that it gives them power. It gives them the power of being able to ask questions. It gives them the power of listening to each other, the power of collaboration, the power of encouragement, there's really so much that can happen in those social sources. I I think that it's huge.
3: Yeah, I I would agree. I I think that the unintended consequence for both the person that is kind of acting as the coach and and, and also the person who's receiving the coaching is that both of them kind of benefit. It's not a one-sided thing where only the person being coached is the person that gets something from this relationship. I think that it develops the other person, the coach, because it makes it so that they're kind of building in this self-coaching skill for themselves and both of them get that from the relationship. I think that the other thing that is a benefit is really, especially in these times of kind of really some isolation, it allows people to feel like they're less alone. And it allows them to then be more open, I think, to learning from someone else to perhaps asking that question, showing that you don't, you don't know, <laughs> you know, quite how to, to do something. I think all of those things begin to open up because you are feeling more comfortable because you're, you're kind of having those conversations that are, a little bit more, more, uh, more socially driven kind of conversations. Thanks. Those are, those are excellent points, especially, like you
0: said, Carolyn, during these times of a lot of social isolation, um, coaching can have so many more benefits than what we normally see. Thank you both for joining us today. Before we
2: wrap up, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? So one of the things that I think is really important for any company that is looking to to implement coaching whether it's on the job coaching whether it's more formalized one-on-one types of coaching i do think and and we both mentioned this a framework i think it's really important to have a framework and to really set a rhythm of coaching conversations if they're one-on-one conversations and to have that training for your coaches whether it's the formal icf types of coaching training, whether it's more built into the learning programs that, that you're doing for your colleagues, but I think it's, it's really important to have that training that allows them to understand what it is they can be coaching and then how they can coach appropriately so that they learn to ask questions, ask those powerful questions like you were talking about. And rather than telling all the time, because the asking of the question is really what will open up the employees. It'll build the trust. It will allow them to shed that fear of failure. And that becomes really important in the whole process.
3: Yeah, I think I would say that it's important for the organization to understand that this is gonna be for the long haul coaching can't be something where it's kind of, you know, flavor of the month kind of thing. It's, it's really in, in, in vogue, you know, now. And so therefore let's, let's do this uh, this coaching thing. It it needs to be looked at as really a shift in the way that the organization is going to be the way that conversations are had in the organization. I think that looking at it from that perspective, I think then allows the leaders and the employees to settle into this way of being and not, not see it as something that, you know, it, it'll go away if I just ignore it kind of thing. I think that that's really, really, really important. I would also say that, you know, the commitment of the senior level leaders to this, not just in word, but in deed, is also really, really critical. We've had some outstanding executive champions uh, not only be the voice of coaching being important in the organization, but, but also roll up their sleeves and be the ones kind of doing the work of saying, okay, so how can we implement this better? What else could we attach a coaching framework to in order for people to see this not just as you know, through one dimension, but see it as, again, the way of being, the way of doing and having conversations in the organization. And so I think having those kinds of partnerships with people at different, different levels, and especially at those highest levels, saying that this is not only saying that this is important, but actually modeling and demonstrating the importance of this through the conversations that they're willing to have, um, both to advocate and also to be champions and models of what coaching looks like, I think is really key. So that's what I would add to that as well.
1: Wonderful. Well, all right, that wraps up this episode of the Business of Learning. Rhonda and Carolyn, thank you both for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you. For more insights on on the job coaching, check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com training industry podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment
1: to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app to help other learning leaders find us. Till next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at infotrainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training
3: Industry Podcast.